Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having Dr. Ivan Misner here with me today, the founder of BNI. Ivan, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's uh, great to be on. Ivan, the year was 1985. You ran a consulting company. And uh, what made you think of starting BNI? Yeah, well, so like I, I like to tell you, I had this vision of a global organization, but I was looking for some referrals for my consulting business. And I put together some people I trusted. They trusted me. We started passing each other referrals. Someone, We only take one person per profession in a chapter. Yes. Someone came who uh, said, this is great. I could get a ton of business. Would you help me open up my own group? And I actually told her no. I said, this isn't, this isn't what I do. I'm a business consultant. She said, well, this is kind of consulting. You're helping me build my business. I said, okay. We opened up a group. And at that group, people came who wanted uh, to have their own group because we're very structured and we have a system. So uh, at the end of a year, I had 20 groups by accident. And wow. it was, yeah, I was shocked. And, and it was at that point that I realized that I had struck a chord in the business community, that people were looking for referrals, but that we weren't teaching this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. And uh, it was at that point I decided to scale the company. Now, it took me about six months to figure out, you know, how big could this really be? And so it was middle of 1986, and I was talking to a friend of mine. And I said to him, you know, I think B&I could someday have 10,000 chapters. And he said, uh, and how many chapters do you have now? He said, 30. <laughs> and he said, and you think you could have 10,000? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I really do. And he said words to the effect, well, it's good to have goals. You know, that's good to have a goal. <laughs> and, and you know what? We just hit 10,000 chapters last December. Yeah, Let me ask you, going back to when you had your one group, it's uh, you probably had some workshopping to figure out what works, what doesn't work. So tell me about some of the early missteps till you figured out, okay, this is what we need to do. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of missteps. And, you know, back then I was basically method acting my way through this process because there, there was nothing there's nothing written about it. There are no books on networking. I wrote one of probably the first book I know of on business networking back in 1989. I wrote the first doctoral dissertation on the subject. Um, so there just wasn't much material out there. And uh, we were figuring it out as we went. And the thing is, I wrote everything down. I wrote down what worked. I wrote down what didn't work so that I could teach people what to do and why not to do the some of the dumb things that I did that ended up being dumb didn't work. I didn't know at the time. And so, I mean, I found that, you know, teaching people is a leaky bucket process unless you write it down. Yes. When I teach you something, information leaks out. When you teach a third person something, more information leaks out, unless you have it written down. Then you're training from a manual and a whole lot less uh, gets leaked out of the process. And so that's Drop what off. I was doing back then. I was writing everything down. So having one group, the world is good. 
as soon as you get two people, like when there was Cain and then Abel came, things went kind of awry. So as soon as you had another group, all of a sudden you had like this, were you still running that group or did you have someone else running that group for you? Uh, I, I set it up with another president running that chapter. So I was the president of the one chapter for a year, but I was opening up these other chapters and I would have people be president. It, it got unmanageable at about 20 groups um, where I, I couldn't even, you know, the span of control was just too broad. And that's when I uh, created what we now called uh, directors, BNI directors. Um, at the time, we had a different title, but um, to experiment with that, to see how it would work out. And, you know, I was writing things down. Uh, I followed uh, Michael Gerber's advice from the book, The E-Myth, where he said, write everything down as though you plan on franchising your business, even if you never plan on franchising your business. And I thought, well, I'm never going to franchise this, but I'm going to write it all down. And, you know, after a few years, I thought, why can't I franchise this? And that's exactly what BNI is, is we're, we're the master franchisor. And so many, many, over a thousand regions around the world. Um, that basically are locally owned and operated. Nice. So one of the things that's really bad about BNI is the structure of it. And the thing that is like the most important thing of BNI, the reason it's successful is the structure. So how do you balance the the two without, you can't have, like the thing you said right at the beginning, I wrote this stuff down, which most entrepreneurs would not do because, you know, why would you ever do that? But that's how you get greatness and improvement. So tell me about how you really got franchisees to really stick with and embrace the process because that's the magic of the organization. Yeah. Well, so that's a great question. And, and very few people, by the way, ask me uh, that topic. I want to talk about that topic. So look, I... I the truth is, if, if you want to be successful in business, you got to have systems and processes and rules and policies. You got to have them. Uh, I mean, come on, hockey, hockey without uh, rules would be boxing on ice, right? Yes, you got to have rules. The thing is, it's how how do you apply those rules? And so we try to teach our directors and our leadership teams, the people who run an individual chapter, that you apply the rules more like Mandela than Attila. You know, it's got to be tough love, but you got to show that you care. You got to be there to help people. And they they have to understand the why before you tell them the how. Thank you and so much for saying that because people miss that point all the time. They do. And, you know, like attendance, that's one of our policies. If, if, if you can't be there, you're not going to get business. Now, right now it's all by Zoom. But if you're not at the meetings, you're just going to be uh, out of people's minds and you're not going to get referrals. And so we have, you know, a certain amount of attendance, a certain amount of meetings. And if you miss more than that, we're going to open your classification to someone else. But we have to explain why. We can't just say, this is it. If you don't show up, we're going to let you go. So what we what we've try to do is to tell people, here's why. <clears throat> That if you miss, as a matter of fact, we used to have some chapters. When I first started, we had some chapters that met twice a month instead of every week. The chapters that met twice a month passed 52% less referrals than the chapters that met every week. That's so, huge. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty, you know, sharp evidence. And so we then told people, look, you want to double the number of referrals, you got to meet every week. And so we've seen a direct and dramatic linear correlation between attendance and referrals. And as long as you give people the why, you know, they never say, oh, yes, great, I want to do it. But they'll say, yeah, okay, I get it. I'll do it. I understand. 
So, Ivan, what's kind of interesting to me is this, is were you ever in the armed forces? I was not, no. At least not in this me lifetime, either. maybe in some previous lifetime. I was a Tilda Hun in a previous lifetime, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, but what's kind of interesting is you get an average American kid who is pretty much selfish. They go to the military, and for themselves, they may not do a lot. But for the people in their troop, they will risk their lives and do heroic things. And coming back to B&I, like if you're not there, you can't get your referrals. But when you're not there, you're robbing the other 15 members from the connections you have. Exactly. Which has an impact as well. Yeah. On the so whole you, group. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, That's, I think, the magic of B&I is that having to come every week and building those connections and those bonds is critical, especially in this day and age where for a lot of people, things are going sideways with their businesses, with the pandemic. But when you have that group of trusted people that have your back, it just allows you to go further and keep on going as opposed to giving up. Right. Have you heard any of those stories from your hope. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I believe that hope is more powerful than fear. And that during times like this with COVID, uh, you need your network more than ever. You need your network. That's not the time to abandon your network. That's the time to really embrace your network. And during COVID, the absolute, you know, BNI has been around 36 years. The craziest year I've ever experienced our members passed over 12 million referrals worldwide wow. and generated 16, 16 billion US billion with a B, 16 billion US dollars worth of what we call thank you for closed business, which is the amount of business they generated for themselves, for the membership. 16 billion in referral business in one year. During COVID, there are companies that are alive today because of their engagement in their network, in their BNI group. Brilliant. You probably have territories where you have a group that's doing really, really well and another group that's not doing as well. Do you have troubleshooters that go out? Because sometimes you, the regional people may not be able to figure it out. Do you workshop it? How do you, like, I'm sure this tried and true, you guys are doing this wrong, you need to do better, but there's also that human element. So how do you handle those groups that should be doing better, but are not? Yeah, so I mean, it's you know, it's like herding cats when you're trying to manage entrepreneurs. Um, you know, we we train our director teams on how to manage uh, groups like that. And my advice to directors is to always start with the the why, uh, and to let them know that you're there for them. I mean, you can't you can't push a noodle. You can't make people do something that they just uh, won't want to do. And sometimes we run into BNI groups that are like, hey, hey, we're happy. It's all good. You good? Yeah, it's okay. And you know, why accept mediocrity? Yeah. When excellence is, is yeah. an option. And so yes. um, we train them to go and say, look, excellence is an option. When you're ready, we're ready to help you. And when you do that enough with a group, you eventually get somebody who says, yeah, I'm ready. What do we need to do? And then you take that one person, you put them in a leadership role, you train them, and you have them help you so that it comes from within the group as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, above the group. Yeah, forcing it down. So, Ivan, tell me about a particular addition to the BNI experience, uh, maybe not COVID related, but before then, that made the entire company better. Like, 
I'm sure it's something that you're always looking to improve the process. So tell me something that you guys did in the last five years to improve BNI or the experience. And then let's talk about COVID afterwards, what you've done recently. Well, I think one of the biggest things, more than five, but I'll get you, I'll start with one that was uh, within the last five years is that we uh, moved all of our referral generation to a mobile app. So you could literally give referrals, receive referrals, track referrals uh, right off your telephone at a meeting. And that made things a whole lot easier for a lot of people. Um, But I would say- No more NTR paper. Oh, God. We were were paper-driven just 10 years ago. So, uh, I mean, we've made massive advancements in the last 10 years. Um, I think one of the biggest changes we made was before that, um, where it was, it was sort of a, a BFO for us, a blinding flash of the obvious. We have, I mean, I've written 26 books. Uh, I've been an author for entrepreneur.com for almost 20 years. Wow. Um, and uh, 19 years, I think it is. And, and so there's just so much content. We decided to have in every chapter what's called an education coordinator. And the education coordinator's job is to share content with the members, mm-hmm. uh, to share the stuff. I've got over 600 podcasts, bnipodcast.com. So there's so much content wow. that the education coordinators now, they spend about five minutes at every meeting, you know, recommending a podcast, talking about the podcast, giving, uh, you know, some reading for people to do. And one of our core values is lifelong learning. So this is all part of that lifelong learning process. And incorporating that into a meeting was just so obvious. I don't know why we didn't think of it from the beginning. Oh, well, we didn't think of it from the beginning because there was no content. But we went a number of years without that. That's brilliant. And I think that's part of the thing is to just look at how we can improve stuff. Because if something isn't growing in terms of value, it's shrinking. And uh, so how about COVID? There's probably some groups that are like thriving in COVID. So how do you take best practices from one part of the world and cross-pollinate it to another part? Uh, Do you have a mechanism for that? Yes, we do. Uh, One of the things we have is, uh, first of all, we have what's called BNI University. So wherever we implement something in one country, it is, you know, not instantaneously, but pretty close to instantaneously done globally because we're in 70 countries. Um, when we had to make the transition to in-person meetings, to Zoom meetings, um, my CEO for BNI, I no longer run the day-to-day operations. I'm sort of the Colonel Sanders of BNI, you know, the spokesperson yes. for, the, for the company. But my CEO, he was looking around a corner. He saw this coming. He flipped all of China to uh, online in January of last year. In January. He flipped uh, Italy in February, early February, most of Europe in in the rest of February, and then worldwide by March of 2020, we had 9,000, at the time we had 9,700 chapters. We moved all 9,700 chapters to online by the end of March of 2020. So um, we experimented as we did Did you guys get a... Brilliant. So uh, let me ask could a question get, first, and we'll go back could, to that. What? So, do you have, could you repeat that? Sure. Do you have a master Zoom account, or does every chapter have their own? We literally have almost ten thousand Zoom accounts. It's probably better that way. Zoom likes us, I would assume. Brilliant. Have you guys learned in that Zoom experience? Like one of the learnings that made the Zoom meeting better. Well, one of the things that we discovered, because if you go to an online BNI meeting, you'll recognize a BNI meeting. 
it, it's very much a BNI meeting. But there, you know, are some elements of it that didn't translate from in person to online. One of them is the open networking. So, you know, the first 15 minutes of all chapters is just open networking. You mix, you mingle, yes. you shake hands. Well, you know, you get 30, 40, 50. We have some chapters with over 100 members. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't just mix and mingle. So we started, for the first 15 minutes, we do breakups, breakouts. So we'll have three to five people, and they talk. Nice. And they've got about five minutes. And then it bounces to another uh, group. And we may do two or three breakouts so that you can actually have a conversation with uh, a few people uh, during the open networking. Otherwise, that it, when we first started, it was just utter chaos. So we learned pretty quickly through trial and error. You can't do that. That's brilliant. And I think that's one of the things is to always be learning, always be playing. So the obvious question that I'm sure you get asked a lot is, as the pandemic ends, some people are going to go, you know, this Zoom thing is not bad. I don't have to drive there. This is more efficient. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I got a, a few. Uh, one is, uh, I think the genie's out of the bottle. Uh, now that we have groups that are meeting online, I, I think that we're some may continue to meet online. I mean, we've had we have at least three hundred and fifty groups that started online. Oh, nice. You know, they've never met in person. Um, and I think even the groups that are, that uh, are meeting online now, I think it's likely to see a hybrid where maybe they're meeting online three times and then they get together once a month. I we still think mm -hmm. that in person is powerful. So absolutely a hybrid. Here's the low hanging fruit. This is so easy. Groups that are in, um, you know, Northern or far Southern hemisphere where there's snow, uh, they have snow days. And usually the snow days happen when there is, um, uh, you know, when the schools closed down for a snow day, the chapters just decided they wouldn't meet. So on snow days, we won't meet because we can't drive. I totally see groups all around the world that have to deal with snow saying on a snow day, we're online. As it's a Zoom day makes perfect sense. Meet. Yeah. So um, I think those are all the things that we're likely to see. And by the way, I predicted this more than two years ago. In 2018, I wrote an article for uh, entrepreneur.com that basically said the future of face-to-face -face is online. Now, I, I didn't, I'd like to tell you I saw COVID coming. I didn't. But what I did saw coming was the disruption of technology. The technology was yes. going to disrupt our company. And I, I didn't want to be Kodak. Now, you know, I don't know if you know this, Kodak invented the digital camera. I they, did know that. They had the, the patent for the digital camera, but they didn't want to mess with their film processing, so they licensed it out. How'd that work out for them? Not very well. And there's many examples of companies that allowed themselves to get disrupted. And so in, in in, I started in 2017 talking about technology being a disruptor to us, and we needed to be prepared for that. And luckily, uh, I think enough people heard that so that the transition took place reasonably well. Now, I thought it would happen because of technology, mixed reality, holographic images, um, you know, 3D images, and, you know, like like um, Star Wars, you know, where the Jedi Knights are sitting around. It. There's a real yeah. Jedi, and then there's a couple of fake, you know, holographic Jedis. And if we ever get there, I want to yes. be Obi-Wan Obi Kenobi if we ever get there. It doesn't work out well for him in the end, by the way. Well, that's true. <laughs> so here's what I think. I think that many times when I meet 
on Zoom with someone, I am more present for that meeting than if I was at a restaurant and there's people walking by and a pretty girl walking by and I'm checking my watch and I'm doing a bunch of stuff that there's more presence in a virtual connection sometimes than there is in the real world. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, it might be true one-to-one. I could see where uh, that's the case. In a group, um, I don't think that's true. And I think it's one of the things that we really have to have regular conversations on is be present. Because, um, you know, if you're in a group of 50 people online uh, and I'm muted, I could be texting and you'd never know. Heck, I could be doing my email and you'd never know. And so we are regularly saying to people, look, you got to give everyone your undivided attention in the same way that you want them to listen to you when you're talking. You've got to be uh, listening to them when they're talking. And that's, um, you know, that's, a, that's a, a work in progress, I think, for any group that is meeting online. I would think so. So as you look into your crystal ball yeah. and we move forward, we come out of COVID and technology is improving as we go. So what do you think we're going to be in five years? Where's BNI going to be in five years? Well, I think within uh, eight years, we're going to be seeing the technology that will just make this so incredibly commonplace. Uh, Linden Labs, um, just two or, just two years ago, two and a half years ago, said that uh, the mixed reality technology within 10 years will be as commonplace as an iPhone. And when that happens, um, I think we're going to see a huge number, you know, the overwhelming majority of networks meeting online. I'd like to see us continue with uh, those um anchoring the meetings with a maybe monthly in-person meeting or quarterly in-person meeting, because I, I will, I always believe I started it as an in-person face-to-face meeting. I think there's still power to that. You know, we're doing this with the technology that is amazing today. I couldn't have done this in 1985. If we'd had COVID in the early days of BNI, I'd be out of business. Love the technology. But I think nothing beats shaking someone's hand and, you know, looking them in the three, three-dimensional eyes and, and having a conversation. Yep. So uh, I think we're going to see more of this, not less. It might go back be- once COVID has passed us, but I think it's headed nowhere but forward. I think so. Congratulations on uh, going past the 10,000 chapter mark. That's a huge milestone. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, I, listen, I, I appreciate the invitation. And if I can just leave you with one last thought, um, and Please. that is that, that your, your network, whatever network you have, whatever network you have developed, your network is a beacon of light in a sea of, hope, of fear. It is a beacon in a sea of fear. And... I have just seen so many people in in my organization who have gotten through COVID because of the emotional support and the referral support that they've received. And so now more than ever, you need to be working on building those relationships. Uh, I'm seeing more one-to-ones being done online than I did prior to COVID. And I think that's, that's, I think the reason why we generated so much business because they're continuing to develop their personal networks. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to our next conversation. My pleasure. And anyone that's interested, bni.com, you can go there. And we're going to put all the links down there and some of the links to uh, your articles as well. 
Great. And um, IvanMeisner.com is my blog. If you want to put that link up, it's all free stuff there. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at NoLimitSelling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 